Oh, dear sisters, we come to a kind of change in the focus of the sisters' training. We come to patterns and examples of women in the Old Testament, Hannah. So we've been talking about motherhood, and we've talked about the wonderful message on the transfer of life. But now we come to a different sort of focus. We're looking at one sister from the Old Testament, and that is Hannah. And I want to talk just a little bit about the Bible. You know, Brother Lee says that he gave this example for the Bible. Maybe today I wear this coat, and maybe today, tomorrow, I wear a different coat. Well, the Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament, but it's both God's Word. So you come to the Old Testament, there's one kind of jacket. The New Testament, another kind of jacket, but it's still intrinsically the same because it's the same eternal God with his eternal economy. So when we come to Hannah, we see a principle that governs our Christian life. And we see Hannah was a sister who cooperated with God for his economy. You know, the book of Samuel, or the books of Samuel, have a central thought. And that central thought is this. God's economy needs man's cooperation for its fulfillment. And the way the the books present that is just giving examples. You have... Hannah, positively, you have Samuel and you have David. Then you have Eli and Saul, negatively. And all those stories are not just history. They are accounts as patterns to us showing God needs man's cooperation to fulfill his economy. And Hannah is a very specific example of that. And actually, you know what Brother Lee said about Hannah? He said, if you're a sister, you should be a Hannah. If you're a brother, you should be a Samuel. Isn't that good? So every sister should aspire to be a Hannah. Because Hannah rendered God a very specific cooperation for his economy. Um, Let me talk just a tiny bit about that to start with. You know, when we talk about prayer, and these next two messages are on prayer, there's always a question we might have. Why do we need to pray? Have you ever thought, why do we need to pray? God is all-powerful, and God knows what he wants to do. Why does God need us to tell him what he should do? Right? God can do anything, and he knows it. Why does he need us on earth to tell him? Well, this is the reason. In eternity past, there was only God. And we can say God had an eternal will. And because there's only God in his will, he just does his will. And in eternity future, there will still be the eternal God with his eternal will But there'll also be man. And this man, interestingly, man in eternity future has a free will. But man voluntarily chooses God's will in eternity future. Even though man's will is still free, it's fully aligned with God. But the section between the eternities in time, what happened is this. God created creatures with a free will, and God decided... I'm going to limit my move to their cooperation. So there's God, and God has his will, and then there's man, and man has a will, and unless man's will agrees with God, God won't move. So in this period of time, God is limited. In time, God is limited to man's cooperation. And the interesting thing, Brother Nee talks about this. He said, why does God do that? And he says, this is the reason. It's a great glory to God 
If human beings voluntarily choose him and align their will with him, even though they have a free will, it's a glory to God that people on earth with a free will choose him. So he limits the whole operation of his economy to that principle. And he'll have eternal glory here. And Brother Lee also said, this is man in eternity future. In eternity future, man is a free will aligned with God. But in time, the church takes a position man will have in eternity future. Meaning the church is the vessel God uses to move because the church is where God's will is carried out. And it's where people on earth agree with God and align their will with God. So Hannah is an example of that. Hannah had a human will, and she's an instance of someone in time who aligned her will with God's will and let God move. Um, so it's very good to look at the case of Hannah. Um, Roman numeral one says, First and second Samuel unveiled to us from the beginning God's accomplishment of his economy needs man's coordination and cooperation. The first illustration is Hannah, the mother of Samuel. You know, in um, the books of First and Second Samuel, it's just at the end of the age of the judges. And if you're looking at the history of Israel at that time, that was a that was a terrible time in Israel's history. Firstly, the priesthood ordained by God, that priesthood, in Brotherly's words, was stale and waning, meaning it lost its brightness, it lost its freshness. It says in First Samuel, the word of God was rare. And the function of the priest should have been to speak for God, but the word was rare. The sons of Eli were extremely wicked. In, in 1 Samuel, it says, Jehovah was pleased to kill them. That's how they were just a wicked people, and they were the priests of Jehovah. So at that time, God wanted to do something. And God, according to his eternal economy, had something in his heart that he knew. But of course, Eli was blind. Eli had no idea. Hophni and Phineas had no idea. So God had to gain a sister to cooperate with him before he could advance in his economy. And what he wanted, what God wanted, he wanted to get Samuel. And Samuel would terminate the age of judges. He would bring in the kingship. Samuel would replace the old priesthood with the prophethood. Um, he'd be fully used by God. But before God got Samuel, he had to get Hannah. And Hannah was necessary to bring in Samuel. So we can say for the advancement of his economy, at that point in time, God's entire economy hinged on that one sister, hinged on Hannah. If she would cooperate, God gets Samuel. Then God gets David. Then there's a kingdom on earth. Actually, David's a type of Christ. So the whole advancement depends on Hannah's cooperation. Um, A says the birth of Samuel involved Hannah's cooperation with God. Her case shows us the kind of person God expects to have today. We can say, her case shows us the kind of person we should be today. The old priesthood had become stale and waning, and God wanted to have another beginning. For Samuel's birth, God initiated things behind the scenes. And then point two says how he did this. On the one hand, he shut up Hannah's womb. On the other hand, he prepared a provoker. <laughs> he prepared a provoker. So God wants to advance in his economy. 
and mysteriously he arranges the environment. And what he does is this. There's a man, Elkanah, and the man has two wives. And one wife is called Penina, and one's called Hannah, and Elkanah loves Hannah more. But Jehovah shuts up her womb and gives Penina children. And then this one, Penina, becomes her rival, and she provokes her bitterly because when they would go to the feast, Elkanah would give a double portion to Hannah. So he gives a portion to Penina and her children, gives a double portion to Hannah, so Penina became her rival. And Hannah was provoked because she was barren, and she had a rival, and he said to her, am I not better to you than ten sons? The Bible doesn't answer that question, but obviously he wasn't better than ten sons. She wanted a son. She wanted a son. So that probably provoked him more as well. Anyway, this was, this was God's operation behind the scenes to force Hannah to pray. It's quite amazing. First of all, he causes a man to have two wives. Then he makes him like one more. Then he makes that one barren. Then he makes the other the rival. All of that, all of that apparently chaotic situation was God's operation for his economy. He's trying to initiate a change of the age. So that's what he does. Sometimes our lives are chaotic, mysterious, confusing, but God's sovereign, hidden behind the scenes, operating for his economy. Um, this forced Hannah to pray. This forced Hannah to pray. The Lord would give her a male child. In her prayer, she made a vow and said, O Jehovah of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but give to your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to Jehovah for all the days of his life and no razor will come upon his head. So it's quite interesting. We don't know how long she prayed, but she must have been praying a while because the old priest Eli noticed her praying there and told her, put away your wine from you. And it does say in the verse, she continued praying a long time. And in that prayer, God came in. She had a human need. The human need was a son. But as she was praying, she was led. And you can say the spirit guided her to offer the son to God according to the Nazarite vow. So in Numbers chapter 6, God said, if a man offers himself to Jehovah, he's separated unto Jehovah. There's the ordained priesthood, but you can have a voluntary Nazarite vow. He made that provision. And then Hannah is oppressed in her soul. She's pouring out her soul before Jehovah. As she's praying, she remembers the Nazarite vow. And she's led to offer that son to Jehovah. As soon as she says that, God says a big amen. Because, because, remember, God wants Samuel. He wants a consecrated priest. And Hannah wants Samuel. And as soon as those wills line up, God wants Samuel. Hannah wants Samuel. Amen. God can advance. God can advance in his economy. So it's like God was watching this woman on earth, he prepared this provoker, did all this stuff. He's watching her. At a certain point, she utters exactly what he wants. If you give me a son, I'll give him to you. And it says, you know, Samuel's consecration was based on his mother's, his mother's offering, right? It said in an earlier outline, Samuel was a faithful priest according to his mother's desire for God. So his mother was seeking. His mother offered him and God said, that's enough. He's the Nazarite I want. 
Okay, that's the example, sisters, of cooperating with God for his economy. God initiated the prayer. God guided the prayer. Then God accomplished the prayer. But at every stage, he needed Hannah's cooperation. With the initiation, he was forcing her to pray, but she still had to pray. Then with the guiding, she was praying, but she had to be sensitive. She had to know number six. She had to be a very seeking person, to be sensitive, to let the Spirit guide her to the point God was getting. And then, eventually, she had to offer her son to God. So, was Hannah of God or of Samuel? Sorry, was Samuel of God or of Hannah? Well, what did Hannah say? She said, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. Which means, God gave Samuel to Hannah. Hannah gave Samuel to God. He's of, he's of God on the one hand. He's also of Hannah. And God couldn't get Samuel without Hannah. And Hannah couldn't get Samuel without God. They're totally dependent on each other. This is, this is the kind of cooperation God wants. Um, this prayer, point four, was, not init was initiated not by Hannah but by God. God chose Hannah because she was willing to cooperate with him. God answered her prayer, opened her womb. Hannah conceived and bore a son. Then according to her vow, she offered her son to God, placing him in the custody of Eli. From this, we see Hannah, Samuel's mother, was one who cooperated very much with God. I just, I just think God was so happy. As soon as Hannah prayed that prayer and offered her son, God said, I have a way on earth. With Eli, there was no way. With Hophni and Phinehas, there was no way. With the judges, there was no way. But as soon as there's Samuel, there's a way. Because God has an intention to have a kingdom on earth. And it is Samuel as a faithful priest, according to his heart, according to his mind, to anoint David. So he's thinking, I'm going to end the age of judges, bring in the age of kingship, but I need a man to do that. And actually, the source of Samuel was Hannah's prayer. And the source of Hannah's prayer was God, but it was Hannah's cooperation with God that made it happen. Um, praise the Lord. You know what Brother Lee calls Samuel? He calls Samuel the crystallization of the cooperation of man with God. It means you want to think about cooperation with man with God, look at Samuel. Where did Samuel come from? He came from God, and he came from man. It's just a blending of God and man together. Um, okay, so we need to be impressed with the fact that the fulfillment of God's economy requires our cooperation. To cooperate with God means to be bound together with God. To be bound together with God. We may use a three-legged race as an illustration. In a three-legged race, two people, but there's three legs. Right? So I've got two legs. One of my legs is bound to someone else's leg. What does that mean? That means I can't move without them. And they can't move without me. There needs to be cooperation. And God wants that kind of relationship with us. He wants a relationship where we can't move without him. And he can't move without us. And there's a, a binding together. And then as we cooperate with him, both parties move. And so God advances in his economy on earth. Once he gets someone who's bound together with him. You know, when I read this, I... I remembered a ministry extract uh, from a book. This book is called Living with the Lord. A little purple book, very short book. And there's a chapter in this book called Living with the Lord by Loving Him. 
And in that chapter, the very beginning of that chapter, it says this. Living with the Lord is not a matter of coercion. Living with the Lord is according to the same principle as that of marriage life, which is not based upon coercion, but upon love. It is truly painful for two people to live together without the sweetness of love and without being maintained in love. The Bible likens our living with the Lord to the living of a husband and wife in love. Our beloved is the Lord Jesus whom we love and we are his lovers. And this is a sentence I remembered. It says this, we are bound together with him by the sweetness of love. And later on, it talks about the relationship God wants to have with us is a living of a life of love and mutual attraction with the Lord. So how are we bound with the Lord? It's not like this. You might read that and think God's tying me to a, a prison guard or tying me to someone. It's not like that. It's that you are attracted to him. You have a love towards him and he has a love towards you and you just do things together. And that three-legged race can be likened to a loving couple who just depend on each other. So on the one hand, God depended on Hannah to advance. On the other hand, Hannah depended on God to give her a son. And they were bound together. And through that, God could move. And actually, God did a lot. God brought in Samuel. And Samuel became the focus of all God was doing on earth. Today, many continents and countries are open to the Lord's recovery. There is a need for some to make a vow like Hannah. We hope that many of the young people will make such a vow. You need to say, Lord, I am yours. I just lend myself to you. God will take your heart and accomplish something to fulfill what you vow to him. You know, sisters, um, I, I went to the training and I graduated 2006 and um, in the middle of the year. And at the end of my training, I, I was just in love with the Lord. I offered myself to him, offered myself to serve, but I didn't know how to serve or where to serve. So I just kind of consecrated, but I ended up studying. And the next year, 2007, my mother became sick. And because I was studying full-time, I was kind of free. So I went to live with her and look after her in her sickness. And I'd spent two years in the training and just under the infusion of the word, I was full of desire toward the Lord. And my mother was sick, so I just started to pray for her. And I would set, up, set aside times, I'd just go and pray for her, and I'd pray that she'd be healed. That was my prayer. Lord, here's your lover. You need her. Heal her. And that went on for months and months, but nothing happened. And eventually, she was sick for 23 months, and I prayed in a certain way, and eventually, I kind of ran out of the desire to pray that. On the one hand, medically, it didn't look like it was happening. And secondly, just there wasn't the feeling to praise. And I was listening to a message one time by Brother Ron. And he said, if you ever want to know what to pray for about a certain matter, and you don't know what to pray, just pray this, Lord, do what's best for your economy. And I just picked that up. And when I had the desire to pray, that was my prayer. And I felt if I prayed that, I could pray. If I prayed my old way, it was, it was stale and waning. <laughs> so I, I just picked that up. And when I would have a feeling to pray, I just pray, Lord, in this matter, do what's best for your economy. I prayed that way. And eventually the Lord took her. But when I look back now, I can say, because I prayed that, the Lord did what's best for his economy. Um, 
you could say it took a long time, but eventually the Lord guided my prayer away from my will, my will for something. I had all the reasons why I thought what I should, what I wanted to be done would be done. But actually, because it was such a long period of time, I was able to be guided by the Lord just to line up with his economy and to pray according to his economy. Um, Praise the Lord. Um, Roman numeral two says this, in the midst of the chaos of the degraded Israel, Alkana and Hannah remained in the line of life ordained by God for his eternal purpose. So you have in that situation, just that Israel is in chaos and the leaders among Israel are in chaos, but you have these two, Alkana and Hannah in the line of life. A says the line of life is a line to bring forth Christ for the enjoyment of God's people, that on earth God may have a kingdom which is the body of Christ, the very organism of the triune God. So Hannah and Elkanah were not the forefathers of Christ, not like Ruth and Boaz, but they, they brought forth Samuel, who anointed David, who was the forefather of Christ, and brought David into the kingship. So they were right in that line of life. And you can look at all the other people there. You look at the judges, look at Eli. They're not in that line, but Hannah was and Elkanah was. They were used by God in the line of life. B says, God's salvation is mainly for our benefit, whereas God's purpose is related to the fulfilling of God's desire. We need to ask ourselves whether we are here for our profit or for God's purpose. Today, everyone on earth is concerned for his own profit. And I really like point C. Under God's sovereign dealing, Hannah was suppressed in her soul with a burden in her spirit to pour out before Jehovah. This was God's move. Because of God's moving in her, Hannah could not have peace until she prayed for a son. You know, with Samuel, God moved outwardly. He did a lot of things. Samuel anointed David. You read Samuel's account. He did a lot. And he had a lot of statuses. But with Hannah, Hannah was also in God's move, but inwardly. And God moving in Hannah to cause her to pray meant she was in God's move. Of course, God's moving in Samuel for him to do outward things meant he was in God's move. But what touched me was this. Hannah was suppressed in her soul with a burden in her spirit to pour out before Jehovah This was God's move. This means, sisters, any one of us can be in the center of God's move, and it really doesn't depend on our outward environment. It doesn't depend on whether we're at home with our children, whether we're working, whether we're serving in the locality, as long as we and our soul are aligned with God and we express his desire in our prayer, that's God's move. You might think, well, I, I'm not in God's move. I can't outwardly preach the gospel. I'm just in this little place. There's not much happening here. Well, consider Hannah. What was she doing? There's another wife there. She had a husband. All she basically did was be, bring forth a child. But that was God's move because it was the issue of her prayer. So if we, if we allow the Lord to lead our heart into his heart and we can utter that in prayer, we can say that's God's move. And we're in God's move. Um, God could motivate Hannah as a person who was one with him in the line of life. As long as he can gain such a person, he has a way on earth. 
We hope that at least some of us will be today's Hannahs and say, Lord, if you have anything on your heart to accomplish for your purpose, I am here. I am here remaining in the line of life for the carrying out of your economy. So that's what the response the Lord's wanting. He wants us just to say, Lord, I've seen you need cooperation. I offer myself to you. If there's anything you want to do for your purpose, I am here. And actually, any one of us can do that. It doesn't require a level of spirituality. It requires a heart to agree with the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I give myself to you for your purpose. If you do this, I have the full assurance you will be the ones whom God will move. He will come to you and motivate you. God needs many Hannahs, persons who can bring forth some Samuels to turn the age. Okay, sisters, that's kind of an introduction. But Roman numeral three is talking about prayer. And Hannah prayed. And Hannah's prayer is an example of the kind of prayer that cooperates with God. But we are probably not going to pray to have a child. But we do need to pray in principle the way Hannah prayed. So this next section is very, very crucial. The origin of Samuel was especially his God-seeking mother with her prayer. Her prayer was an echo of the heart's desire of God. Her prayer was a human cooperation with the divine move for the carrying out of God's eternal economy. So Hannah was led eventually to pray a prayer that echoed God's heart's desire. And we need to have that same leading. Brother Watchman, he talks about this. He says, as we come to the Lord's presence, eventually he can lead our thoughts into his thoughts and lead our desires into his desires. And we understand something of God's desire and then we utter it in prayer. That's a very precious prayer. So if we have that process where we come to the point where we actually understand what God wants and we feel the same way, and we utter that in prayer. That's the kind of prayer God desires. Um, we should no longer pray old prayers in a formal way. Instead, we need to pray something that is an echo of what is on God's heart. This means what we say in our prayer is exactly what God wants to speak. Such a prayer is the speaking out of God's heart. How do you pray such a prayer? is speaking out of God's heart. You know, they've published Brother Lee's letters. He wrote a lot of letters. And um, I was reading through his letters. I noticed something. Often when people would write to, him, write to him and he'd write back, he'd tell them to pray quite a lot. He'd say, can you pray for this matter? Can you pray for that matter? Is one very particular letter that I was very touched by. It was written in May 1989, which is very shortly after a major rebellion and where, where Brotherly was. And Brotherly's letter says this, thank you for your letter of appreciation dated May the 10th, 1989 with your loving gift. Then he says this, since you have realized the importance of the Lord's up-to-date speaking, would you please pray particularly for this? God's enemy Satan is fiercely attacking his present speaking in the recovery and trying his best to belittle it and put it down a spiritual warfare is raging on this matter. All the faithful ones of the Lord should bear the burden to pray and fight the war for the Lord's sake. I was touched with that. That means if we realize the importance of something, we need to pray about it. And if we see something, suddenly 
We have a responsibility before the Lord to pray concerning that matter. If we see the Lord wants to do something, the Lord's revealing that to us so we can echo it in our prayer. Um, and I was touched. He said, since you've realized the importance of the Lord's up-to-date speaking, would you please pray particularly for this? That means when God speaks to us, it's not just for our curiosity, for our interest. It's that he wants to advance. And he reveals something so we would understand it and then echo it in prayer. As we do that, that's not a formal prayer. That's not an old prayer. That's something that's an echo of what is on God's heart. You know, every, every Lord's Day, we have a prophesy meeting. And the prophesy meeting, we pray based on what the Lord's been, oh, sorry, we prophesy based on what the Lord's been speaking. But every Tuesday, we have a prayer meeting. And at least in the prayer meeting I, to, I go to, we pray based on the same thing. And I think the Lord looks down and says, I'm going to speak to these people. Well, they're praying about it and they're speaking about it. That's the cooperation I need. So he's got something on his heart and he reveals it to us through his word. He wants an echo in prayer. It's not enough we just understand it and speak about it. We need to have the lining up of our will with his and the response that he needs in prayer so he can carry it out. So I love, I love the prayer meeting, and I love the first half of the prayer meeting. Usually we pray, read crucial verses, and we pray based on whatever feeling we have, based on all the Lord's been speaking to us, and I always feel God's happy with that prayer. It's like he's been saying a lot, but he needs an echo, a response in prayer so he can advance. Hannah's prayer was like this. God wanted a Samuel, yet he needed Hannah's cooperation to pray to him, saying, Lord, I need a son. So was Hannah speaking her need or God's need there? God wanted a Samuel, yet he needed Hannah's cooperation to pray to him, saying, Lord, I need a son. Well, <laughs> God needed Samuel. Hannah needed Samuel. And those needs lined up, and Hannah uttered her need, and God accomplished his need. You know, I, um, I'll tell you another story about myself. I graduated from the training. My mother became sick, and then she passed away. Then I was about 30 years old, and I was single. And um, I kind of woke up. <laughs> it took me a while, but I realized, oh, I should get married. So I thought, I know what to do about marriage. I'll just pray about it. And I would just pray. I wouldn't do anything, but I'd pray. And nothing happened. And I was 31, 32, 33, 34, getting older, eventually 35. And I was struggling somewhat with this whole matter. Um, I, then I fellowshiped with a brother I respected. I wrote to him, and he wrote back. And in, his, in what he wrote back, he just said one sentence that struck me. He quoted from a hymn, and the hymn said, Father God, thou art the source of life. He quoted that. And I don't know why that struck me. And I still remember, I took that up and I said, Father God, you're the source of wife. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say it as a joke, but I just said, you're the source. You're the source of this. Father God, you're the source. I pray to you, Father, you'll be the source. And very soon I got married. It just happened in the environment. It just happened. And then I thought, I thought back. I thought back on it. If I had been the source of that wife, if I had been the source, that would have been my need, right? My need. But if God had been the source, that's his need, 
and my need lined up. So if God initiates something, even if we have a need, if God initiates it, he's a source. Actually, his need and our need are the same thing. And he accomplishes it. Um, I'm not telling you how to get a husband. I don't know how. But anyway, that's how I got my wife. Um, Praise the Lord. (laughs) After such a prayer as Hannah prayed, it was easy for God to do something because man's cooperation had become a base on which he could move. I think of it like God's crossing a river and there's a need of like stepping stones and every point of cooperation, God can advance. He can advance. If there's no cooperation, he's stalled. So he has an eternal economy and he wants to accomplish it. But for the economy, he needs particular cooperation at different stages. And at one stage, he needed Samuel. So Brother Lee says the source of Samuel was God's economy. But he still needed Hannah's cooperation to advance in his economy. Um, Okay. God's move in response to Hannah's prayer was in keeping with the principle that God needs man's cooperation with his move in his economy. This is a principle of incarnation. God's move with his answer to Hannah's prayer was to produce a Nazarite who was absolute for the fulfilling of his desire. A Nazarite is one who is consecrated to God absolutely. We need to be impressed with Samuel's origin, with his source. Because he came out of such a strong source, he could not be an ordinary worldly person. Interesting, sisters. His mother was, his mother desired God. His mother sought God. He couldn't be worldly. Isn't that interesting? Because of his mother's desire for God, he couldn't be an ordinary worldly person. Rather, he was the one who replaced the waning priesthood and brought forth David, who brought forth Christ. The sisters especially should aspire to be like Hannah, praying to bring forth some some like Samuel, who will terminate the confused age, so that Christ the King may come with his kingdom. You know, it is a confusing age. And you can just think of what's happening in the world now is just confusing. The medical situation is confusing. The political situation is confusing. The rioting, isn't that confusing? The media is confusing. Well, what's God's desire? His desire is to terminate the confused age and bring in Christ with his kingdom. So we should have God's desire. His desire, in a sense, isn't to fix up the age, it's to end the age. And Brother Lee has in particular utterance and it was mentioned in the memorial, the memorial training, that when there are calamities, when there are calamities on earth, that means God wants to, it's a sign God wants to end the age. And God wants to bring the age of his heart's desire. So we should be aligned with God in that. In order for us to pray to meet God's need today, we need Christ as the embodiment of God and the reality of the offering. So Hannah went to the tabernacle. And she offered sacrifices, so that, that's showing she had Christ as the embodiment of God and the reality of the offerings. We also need the fulfillment of the tent of meeting, which is the church as God's dwelling place. Hannah did not pray her prevailing prayer in her home. And, and if that's a typology, what's the fulfillment? That means she prayed it in the church. If you want to make it more specific, She prayed it in the prayer meeting of the church. 
She didn't just pray it in her home, which means if you want this kind of prayer, you have to be one with the church, love the church, and pray in the prayer meeting of the church. You know, we now Zoom our prayer meeting. So even if you can't physically come, you can Zoom in. And Hannah's prayer, she didn't do it in her home. She came all the way to God's house, and she prayed it there. Then Eli had to be there. And when Eli said, may Jehovah answer it, he answered it. It was in that context. So that's God's principle. He loves the church, and he loves the prayer meeting of the church. So for this kind of prayer, we should join ourselves to the church and come to the prayer meeting with no agenda, just to enter into the flow of prayer and utter God's heart. And every week the Lord can advance. I have a little drive to my prayer meeting. So every time I I drive there, I just pray, Lord, I want to cooperate with you for your advance and your move. It's, It's something the Lord can do week by week. And if we are praying based on the Lord's presence speaking, no doubt that's what's on God's heart. All of that speaking is leading eventually to the preparation of the bride and the end of this age. So isn't it good? Hannah didn't pray this in her home. She prayed it at the tent of meeting, which is a church as God's dwelling place. We need God's embodiment and his full salvation in the church life. Then we can pray prevailing prayers for God's goal to bring in the kingdom. Now, the next section, sisters, is absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And let me try to present this. So Hannah was living in the age of the judges. And at that age, there had been cycle after cycle of judges. And what would happen is this. Israel was defeated and in confusion, and a judge would rise up. And when a judge would rise up, there'd be kind of revival, and then there'd be a failure. And then there'd be another judge rise up, and there'd be a revival, and then a failure. And this this had been the history for a long time. And people at that stage, if you were there among the Israelites, you'd be thinking, we need another judge. That's what you would think. We need another judge to rise up because that's what's been happening. But God didn't want another judge to rise up. He had a totally different thought. He wanted to end the age of the judges and bring in the kingship. And Brother Nee contrasts Penina with Hannah. And he says, he says, Penina has a kind of, quote, ministry or typifies a kind of ministry. And Hannah has a ministry. Penina's ministry was to bring forth children, to have increase, to have something outward. Hannah's ministry was just to bring forth the king, which is David. And Brother Nee says this, in church history, there's been cycle after cycle of revival and defeat, revival after defeat. And we might think God needs another revival and we should, we should work towards that. But if we're at the end of this age, it's not what God wants. God has a totally different thought. He wants to end the age and bring Christ in. And the way in type, the way it happened was Hannah prayed, Samuel came forth, and Samuel anointed David. And the reality of that is we pray that kind of prayer, the Hannah ministry, and the man-child is brought forth to bring in Christ as a dispensational instrument to end the age. So Hannah's ministry is a crucial crucial link in the coming of Christ and a crucial function of the sisters. Remember, Brother Lee said, all sisters should be Hannah's, all brothers should be aspire to be Samuel's. Well, what did Hannah do? Hannah prayed, and her prayer was used by God to eventually bring forth a man God would use to, to end that age. And similarly, 
We need the kind of prayer echoing God's heart that God can bring forth the man-child as his instrument to end this age. So this section's on this. Hannah's ministry was to bring in the king. Hannah wept, fasted, prayed, and cried unto the Lord for a son who would be absolutely given to the Lord for his service. This son, that Samuel, was the one that brought in the king. If these are the last days, and God's eyes are on those who can be the means of bringing in the king, let us ask ourselves, what is our ministry? Have we any part in this special ministry, this Hannah ministry? That means we just see what God wants, and we agree with him, and it gets into our heart, and we echo that in our prayer. And that, that particular ministry of prayer is what God needs to produce the man-child. Those who want to be Hannah's must prepare themselves for persecution, scorn, weeping, and fasting. This ministry costs. A price has to be paid because all such ministry comes through testing and suffering. It has to be wrought into us. It's kind of interesting with Hannah. She just became bitter in soul and was oppressed in spirit, but that was God's move in her. So if you offer yourself to the Lord to be gained by him, to be on the line of life for his economy, it doesn't mean you have peace. It means you'll be oppressed in your spirit with a burden to pray, with a burden to pray what's on his heart. So you just offer yourself, Lord, I'm here. Whatever you want for your economy, do it in me. Then you have a burden and things come to you and you have to pray to release that burden. Actually, that's the Lord using you to 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 gain the cooperation he needs to move on earth. It's not a matter of how many we can save, but of God getting his company of overcomers. God wants to get a people who'll be able to pray and bring in his kingdom. Hannah's prayer was a means for the birth of Samuel. Our prayers should result in the bringing forth of overcomers. The son in 1 Samuel 1 is a man-child in Revelation 12, the one who brings in the king with his kingdom. So sisters, I was so touched. We should eventually be brought by the Lord to care for his purpose, not our profit. And actually, when we care for his purpose, we realize in relation to his purpose, God doesn't have much on earth. You know, at, at Samuel's time, it says Hannah lent him to Jehovah, which means God was poor and needed Hannah to lend Samuel to him. And in relation to his purpose and his administration, God doesn't have many on earth who will be given to him. So it's a great privilege to see this and then just to offer ourselves, Lord, whatever you want to carry out, I'm here. I give myself to you for your purpose. Whatever you would impress me with, touch me with, I'm willing to echo it in prayer. And then the Lord will gain us and actually he will be able to advance in his economy. You know, motherhood is a great ministry and a great service to the Lord. But also this Hannah ministry is a great service. And it's something the Lord needs. So um, we need to be moved by the Lord to offer ourselves that we could be ones that, that he can use for his economy. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your intention and your economy. Even gain us. Gain us as ones who would cooperate with you. Lord, give you the best cooperation. 
pray you would flow in us, even move us to pray. Impress us with what's on your heart. Oh, gain us as the real Hannah's, ones with a ministry to bring you forth. Amen. 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 Okay, sisters, we can have some prayer with our neighbor.